0: Luther's world of cryptids, ghosts, and the unexplained. If you're into strange things that fly above us in the skies, or creepy things that go bump in the night, then you have come to the right place. Much like cryptid creatures or folklore tales, they all have a home here, and so do you in Luther's world. It's time for chapter 6. And I never thought it would happen to me. Real stories told by the people who had the experiences happen to them. And our first one takes us out to California and Rick Knox. And he tells us all about his UFO chase.
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, referee Rick Knox here for AEW. I've uh, been a pro wrestling referee for over 23 years now. And uh, wanted to come on here and uh, share a couple stories with you guys. Uh first one is a uh, UFO sighting that my wife and I had. Uh, we were coming home from an LA Kings game. I had to actually text her earlier to kind of refresh my memory of the story and that was a point that she seemed to remember. We were on our way back from an LA Kings game at Staples Center. So my guess is this was probably December of 96 or maybe January, February of 97. Uh, we were driving home from staples center in la to uh, colton california which is where i lived at the time a little city outside of san Bernardino, about 60 miles east of la uh, and on the way home we have to pass through a city called fontana and fontana is an old city in uh, the inland empire part of southern california been there forever very famous area And uh, there had been recent reports of some UFO activity and sightings over Fontana. And people had been saying they had seen some amber lights in the sky and things like that. And, uh, you know, this was all right in the height of the X-Files mania and all that. So my wife and I were, you know, kind of into pursuing paranormal stuff and just seeing what was out there. So on our way home, we said, hey, we're driving right through Fontana. Let's just get off the freeway here and go down some streets and see if we see anything up in the sky like we'd been hearing. And uh, we got off and started driving around the city. And I I remember we were, uh, at the time I remember, I remember the story perfectly for so many years and now I'm getting older and can't remember. But we were on one of the east-west main thoroughfares through Fontana. So I'm guessing it was either Slover Avenue, Harupa Avenue, uh, Santa Ana, one of those streets, and a lot of eucalyptus trees, tall eucalyptus trees. And so we're driving down these streets and out of the corner of my eye, I can see a, a, a light in the sky. Height-wise, my guess was this was like the top of a radio antenna, but it wasn't a red light like you're normally used to seeing. It was an amber, gold, yellowish, orangish light. And so I'm like, honey, I think that's what they're talking about. And so as we're traveling, we probably went down this road a mile or two and it gave the appearance it was following along with us. Now I know when you see something in the sky and you're driving along like the moon, it always looks like you're following you. It always looks like it's following you. But through our interpretation, this looked like it was maybe three or 400 yards away, not too far. Uh, But then we really got excited because the thing started to drop. It started coming down. And so now we're like, oh, shit, this is like, this is a legit UFO. And we kind of got excited and like, Let, let's go see what we can find. We were pretty convinced it was not a uh, man-made flying machine. It wasn't an airplane. It wasn't a helicopter. It did not fly like a helicopter. It was very steady in the sky, holding its position, and then slowly descended. And uh, this was way before drones were even a thing, not even a thought, I don't think. So it was, it was nothing like that. So we were pretty uh, mystified by it, excited by it, and figured, well, let, let's go try to find it. And long story short here, we, we could not find where it came down. We you know, had a good bead where we thought it was, drove around looking for it, did not see uh, anything that landed, but it was still a pretty exciting experience. And, and although I wish there would have been a little more interaction there, that's basically the, the bulk of my, uh, my UFO story.
0: So much like Baron Black's story, from chapter one Rick and his wife saw an orange ball or amber colored ball in the sky flying um, different places different times yet the same thing and if you go online you can find a lot of people put videos pictures up of the exact same thing so last chapter Preston number 10 Vance from the Dark Order, he read a letter, and he got a little bit freaked out after reading the letter, and wanted to come on again, and this is what he had to say. Preston Vance here, aka number 10 from the Dark Order, I just read Ghost of Girl from Richard, and um, he talks about this girl in a white dress who he would wake up to at the foot of the couch every night, and um, my parents house was super haunted and I had this exact same experience for like my uh, sophomore year of college to se- or high school to senior year of high school and I would wake up a-, a lot with this girl in a white dress at the end of my bed and finally one night I had enough and for almost like a whole year and a half I would not sleep in my own room and I slept on the couch. So this is, uh, I think we have the same ghost Richard. Well yes, that would make me freaked out as well. and. I probably would not be sleeping in that room either, (laughs) or would I? Now let's read some letters sent in by you. It's time for the paper trail. Now it's time for viewer mail. Real stories sent in by you for us to read on the paper trail. First one's a little long, and it also comes with a picture, which I will put up at the end of the story, and I'll have Drexel take off any filters so you can see the picture exactly how I saw it, and it's very, very interesting. Hey, I saw your post, I figured I would give a story, although I have many to tell, if you're interested, and I am, if anybody out there has a story, they can write it out to me, just like Robert did, or you can film yourself telling the story and send it to Luther's World mail at gmail.com let's get back to this letter anyway my name is Robert I'm a former paranormal investigator of nine years the field interested me at a young age and I decided to get into it with the help of family and friends my investigations done great to partner me with many people including the likes of ghost hunt weekends investigating alongside members of taps medium chip coffee and so on it also brought me upon many great residential cases and historic locations. One that stands out most to me through though is the Octagon Hall Museum in Franklin, Kentucky. I could tell you many stories about this place because it was one place I kept coming back to. I was almost guaranteed to find something unexplainable. Now I'm going to tell you the story on this place before I get into it. If you like reading, I do like reading, you'll like this. If not, kill me later. I'll get Serpentico to get on that. Octagon Hall was an octagon shaped home built before the Civil War had started. It had two separate floors and a basement. It was the home of andrew jackson caldwell and his wife elizabeth they had a daughter mary elizabeth who died downstairs in the winter kitchen of the home she was playing downstairs and got too close to the fireplace and her dress caught fire sadly she died a few days later from her injuries that'd be terrible later on during times of civil war The home served as a hospital, housing injured Confederate soldiers. Also, if they had to, they hid them throughout the house from the Union Army. One of these soldiers was hidden in the attic. He was hidden up there with a bullet wound to the leg. Sadly, after being up there too long, he bled out and died. These are just a few of the events that stained the place. Let's get into it little off topic for a second but from doing a lot of reading and uh, things about the Civil War a lot of the casualties were just um, nowadays would be fixed up but uh, doctoring wasn't too good back then all right back to it I started with this place in 2011 upon upon any place I've been to this stands out the most After some multiple times of investigating and capturing small pieces of evidence like an orb, unexplained voices, and all the other small crap that I don't give a damn about. Sorry, it sounds harsh. Everyone gets those so it becomes a tease to me after some time. Anyway, after all that, we had the craziest night I've ever been through. One thing though. I kind of disagree a little bit any kind of evidence you get is big it's it's something so I like anything and everything but I understand what you're saying 2012 the director of the museum Billy Bird I guess I can say his name because it was written here gave us key gave us the keys for one night to see what we could get so far we were having a good time in a weird way the place left The place felt welcoming that night, almost like we were invited to a cookout or something. We fired up our equipment and for the majority of the night, starting off, it seemed pretty dead. Oh well. Later on we had to split into pairs and I went down to the basement with a fellow investigator. After 20 minutes we had seemed to fall tired, like drained. We acknowledged this and after doing so our equipment started to malfunction. All of our batteries were dead, which was strange because we always put new batteries in before each investigation. Oh well, maybe they're bad. Come to find out 5 minutes later, this also happened to every person on each floor. Odd coincidence? I guess. We, well, we replaced the batteries and continued on, and then I got tapped on the shoulder as I'm doing so. I looked at my partner to see if he tried to get my attention, but he was across the way on the opposite side of the room. Okay, muscle twitch. Well, we started getting sketched out, and and we all gathered back on the main floor. My other teammates, my other teammates, and mentioned they my other teammates i think it's supposed to be had the other teammates had mentioned that they had heard footsteps and voices upon their findings funny uh, funny as they tell us this we are funny as they tell us this we are then interrupted by the sound of something dragging across the floor on the second floor above us Oof. Me and my partner go to investigate and we arrive on the landing to find a chair had been moved almost 3 feet from its original spot. Sadly this was out of the view of our night vision camera. At this point I begin to feel nauseated and we go downstairs to the to do a session as a whole group. We had our meters and camera set up on a tripod by itself with a button wired to take photos. Also. This camera didn't take photos like normal. If it was to snap a photo, it would take five seconds for the shutter to open and close. Any movement in the process is a blur on the photo. Anyway, 30 minutes into this, we were just messing around and goofing off when the room had suddenly gotten real cold. During this time, one of our investigators was taking pics throughout our goofing off We took a photo and we were shocked at what we found. I will attach a photo at the bottom. Out of the 40 or more shots with the camera facing the exact same direction, these figures in the picture only appeared in one. Never in my life would I think we would capture what we did. We continued this investigation and it was more or less the same thing throughout the night this place is my favorite to investigate i've been back multiple times and brought friends to investigate on their first time and this place has always changed minds and for sure changed the way i view things and that is from robert and now i'm going to put up the picture and so i'm going to go a little off here so when he sent me this, I wrote him back because I looked at the picture, but I wanted, he didn't really describe what was in the picture. He just sent the picture. So I wrote him back, wrote Robert back, and I asked him, um, what, what do you see in the picture? Because I didn't want to be led led a certain way or whatever, and I didn't want him to tell me first off so that maybe I would think I saw that. So I, before I wrote him, I wrote down what I saw. On a piece of paper so I wrote him back emailed him and I said what do you see in this picture so as he wrote back and I should have printed that out but basically he said he his cousin I think it was his cousin is in a wheelchair and then two spirits right next to him and that's exactly what I saw so what I see in this picture is two lady spirits in old timey 1800s, or I guess 1800s dresses. That's that's what I was looking at. So he kind of described exactly what I saw. So thanks Robert, that was awesome. This is Nightmare Family's Aaron Solo, and I am here to read you some of Luther's
2: mail. Hey Luther, so back when I was in elementary school, I was a I was on a hunting trip with my old dear lease and was sitting on the porch of the house sitting there with my mom my sister and another dude that was my age you could see the interstate off the distance and cars driving on it out of nowhere what looked like a pair of headlights started going our way and were getting bigger and bigger it looked like a big truck was driving towards us but it was just headlights it reached our camp and then just disappeared we all acknowledged it we all saw it but we never spoke about what happened after not sure if this was a ghost or a ufo thing but it's definitely something I can't
3: explain. This is Dean Alexander, and we're coming at you from the Nightmare Factory, and this is Luther's Mail. So when I was in high school, this is from Cory, by the way. So when I was in high school, my friend Jared and I were hiking through the Ocala National Forest down in Florida. It was getting late and we were hiking back when we heard this loud whoosh noise, and then heard a crackling noise come from high up in the thick pine trees. We kept moving on, thinking, must have been a bird. Well we keep walking and then we hear whoosh whoosh again and the loud crackling of pine tree branches. We look up and just see the huge pine tree and green pine tree needles shaking and falling down. We start to walk faster when we see this shadow of large winged silhouette over us and we hear a tree in front of us crackle from something landing into it. We start running and that's when the whooshing getting faster and the trees crackling behind us. It felt like whatever it was, it's just toying with us. The sun was setting and it was setting fast. We look up and we see this large gray thing flapping over us. We could not tell what it was due to the low visibility, but we know it was huge. We eventually made it out to the main road, State Road 42. Whatever it was stopped in that tree. We did not stop running until we got back to my house about another three miles away. A week later, we were going out to hit the town like two dumb nerdy teenage boys do. We came around this bend in the road on State Road 42 when we see this gray thing crouching on the side of the road near the forest. When the high beams hit this thing, it just opened up its wing and shot straight into the woods. We did not see what it was clearly, but I can remember and picture this insect like eyes and things and these huge dull gray wings. This is weird. That was the last time I ever saw the thing, but I choose to never go back into the woods without a gun. Hope you enjoyed this. I have other stories if you want.
0: If you have a story that you want to share on the show, Film yourself telling your tale or write it out in full detail and email it to me at luthersworldmail at gmail.com. And we'll use it on a future chapter.
4: This is John Scott from AEW Dark and you are tuned in to Luther's World of Cryptids, Ghosts, and the Unexplained.
0: Alex Clark, he's here and it's time. Strange things are afoot in the UK.
5: Hello, Dr. Luther. You had some follow-up questions on my uh, strange night uh, at the Peacock in Huthwaite, Nottinghamshire. Nottinghamshire, in general, is supposed to be very haunted, as well as the next county over, which is called Derbyshire. Uh, both very, very haunted. Nottinghamshire itself, uh, the, the the city of Nottingham, is actually built on sandstone and lots of people who live in the centre actually have basements that are just tunnelled straight out of the uh, sandstone. There are a bunch of caverns and tunnels that you can go into under the city. Um, People used to live in these and they've been lived in effectively for well over a thousand years. We even have actually one of the world's oldest pubs and definitely the UK's oldest pub. It's called the Old Trip to Jerusalem. The legend is that Richard the Lionheart actually drank there um, just before going to fight the Moors on the Crusades, with his Crusader army, so they probably sold quite a bit of mead on that day, Um, but yeah there's plenty of pubs in this uh, county and a lot of them seem to be haunted. The Peacock specifically, um, what you asked there was the age of the Peacock, Uh, from what I can tell it was built in 1832, And the previous hundred years to that, if not more, it was actually an orchard. The pub was built uh, to serve miners. Uh, Nottinghamshire in general has a lot, or did have a lot up until the 1980s, of coal mining. So they were building miners accommodation on the main street uh, through Huthwaite. That's where all the miners were living. So they needed a pub to serve said miners. Uh, So that's when the the Peacock got built. and yeah, it is a, a strange place. In terms of what you asked me about what I saw, um, it didn't come from the cellar um, where this supposedly evil resides. Uh, whatever walked past me or strode past me came from this hand side of me. It came actually through the front door, from what I can tell, because that was the only thing behind me. Um, and then all the way through the bar, around the bar, out the back and and into the back of the well, effectively, the garden of the pub um at the back, so it didn't come up from the cellar um the landlord himself, like I said, he'd had plenty of different paranormal investigations done uh and yeah, he was told definitely not to remove that wall whatever was there uh was not good uh was should not be disturbed was the word he words he used and specifically one. Uh, of the medium said whatever was there was evil. Um, whether that whether that thing is what is drawing the activity, I don't know. Um, I assume a lot of the activity has to do with the ley lines, potentially. Um, they seem to cause a lot of strange occurrences in that town in general, and maybe what was in the pub I saw that day was just passing through Following the energy of the ley lines, I don't know, but I know there were other spirits or ghosts or whatever you want to refer to them as in that pub. I had a, a another strange experience, which was the exact opposite, where that first experience was quite terrifying um, and very mystifying. The first uh, one of the first experience I had there was actually quite beautiful, is the only way to describe it. Again, sat near the back of the pub, actually in a corner which I'd never sat in that corner before. And I just remember, and it was, it was one night, again, I wasn't drinking. But all of a sudden, I just remember this warm feeling coming over me. And I just sort of drift into like a, a daydream sort of state. And in my mind's eye, I could sort of see a, an old man and a dog. And I don't know why, and, and it just felt happy. I felt content. And I felt content for a few days after that. It was such a strange experience. My whole body just became warm and everything seemed like it had a glow and and it in in the moment it, it lit up. It was like this old man touched me he, he, for some reason or just wanted to say hello or, or so I don't really know. But I ended up finding out later that there was an old man who used to sit in that booth. He'd been a regular in the pub for over 50 years um, and had had multiple dogs that he'd brought with him. Um, he was the only guy that was allowed to bring a dog into the pub um, because he'd been a regular for so long. Uh, he'd been there under multiple different landlords. Um, yeah, and our landlord was a, was an ex-Royal Marine sniper that had fought in Kosovo. And we used to sit there and he'd tell us stories about, um, well, sniper battles in Kosovo and having to drag bodies to the local ice arena. They were storing bodies under the ice. Um, to keep them cool until the end of the war. Um, a lot of crazy stories. But as a soldier, he wasn't prone to over-exaggeration, uh, but he was prone to superstition. I've had a few people in my family serve, and they're also quite superstitious. Uh, probably a factor of putting your life on the line. And from that, he was definitely going to follow uh, the advice of the mediums, and he had no interest in taking that wall down whatsoever. He had plenty of strange occurrences in that pub while on his own uh, and with his partner there. Um, There was plenty of things he talked about over the years, very strange things that had happened. But yeah, that's another story from the Peacock. There's probably a few more, and there's definitely a few more from other pubs in Nottinghamshire that I've been to uh, (laughs) and that strange things have happened at.
0: Cryptids of the world. This chapter we take a look at The lizard man. The Lizard Man is a reptilian creature that is said to live in the swamps of South Carolina, although there are many reports of Lizard Man creatures going back for centuries all over the world. The Lizard Man is a human-like shaped creature that walks bipedal. It has green scaly skin, three-toed feet, and has hands hands with very large sharp claws it is said to stand about seven feet tall and is very powerful and extremely fast there was a lizard man account in 1988 by a 16 year old named Christopher Davis he claims that the he was chased one night by this creature after stopping to change a flat tire there have been numerous reports that people's cars have been attacked by the lizard man leaving unusual scratches and bite marks all over the cars. Local police have always just stated it's just bears. Yet, biologists are unable to classify the plaster casts that have been made in the area. The casts have been three-toed, 14 inches long, and all taken from near the swamp. When Personally, I think of the lizard man. The first thought that always comes to my mind is the classic 1967 Spider Man cartoon in the episode Where Crawls the Lizard. Dr. Kurt Connor turns himself into a lizard man. Has a doctor in real life been able to do the same thing? Have, there been, have they been here for many centuries? Or are they alien reptilians? Whatever the answer, I know one thing, they are a cryptid of the world. It's storyteller time and Lonnie Olsen is back, this time with the tale of Albert Ostman.
2: Now let me share with you the story of Albert Ostman. Albert's tale starts in 1957 when Albert shared a remarkable story. His tale takes place 30 years earlier, in 1924, British Columbia, Canada, across from Vancouver Island on the Toba Inlet. Albert, a lumberjack, had set up camp for a relaxing holiday. The vacation would be anything but. You see, three mornings in a row, he awoke to find his camp had been visited by animals in the night, disrupting his camp and stealing some food, rummaging through his knapsack. So. Albert devised a plan to catch sight of these creatures. So he packed up his knapsack with his remaining food and put that in the bottom of his sleeping bag. So Albert dressed himself and then curled up in his sleeping bag hoping to lure the animals into camp thinking he was sleeping. And then he would bust out of his sleeping bag and capture them as they were trying to steal food. So, what Albert didn't realize is that by wearing the clothes and being in his sleeping bag he got cozy and fell asleep. He was woken up drastically and sharply as something had grabbed the top of the sleeping bag and hoisted him up in the sleeping bag and tossed what he said felt like he was tossed on a horseback. And as the creature began to walk it. To him, it felt like it was an animal with two legs. They proceeded to walk for hours in this uncomfortable journey through the mountainous region. It was only after those few hours that he was unceremoniously dumped roughly onto the ground. And as Albert emerged from his sleeping bag in the sun, his eyes started to become accustomed to the to the light he noticed that he was in a little valley he also noticed his captors a family of four ape-like creatures one male father and a male boy and a, a female mother and a female daughter he described this because of the differences in sizes and how they acted but he knew one thing, he was a captive. Every time he would try to make his way to the forest, he would be stopped by one of them. So he spent a week listening to them as they they grunted and spoke in an odd uh, language, waiting and biding his time to figure out an escape route. It was only when he noticed the uh, adult male's interest in his snuff now, snuff being a tobacco that's ground so fine that the, the user would just kind of snort a little bit of it. So Albert, he gives his snuff box to this adult male, and the adult male ingests the whole continents. And as that happened, he started to get violently ill and, and uh, proceed to be sick. Now, the rest of the family, this bipedal ape-like creatures they they surrounded the father as he was violently ill and this gave Albert pause this gave Albert the chance to make it into the forests so he did he got up and he he ran Albert ran and he ran and he ran until he was lucky enough to find himself in another logging camp where the uh, lumberjacks offered him food and shelter and for 30 years Albert kept this tale to himself It was only in 1957, once more reports of Sasquatch or Bigfoot made their way into the news, that Albert decided to share his story about his fateful week, where he lived in the valley with Sasquatch.
0: Next up is the devil himself, Drexel. This is Defining the Unknown.
4: Greetings and salivations. I'm Drexel, homicidal artist, dabbler in death matches with a doctorate in debauchery, and I'm here to define the unknown in Luther's world. And today's word of the day is poltergeist. See, poltergeist actually comes from two German words the first one being poltern, which means to cause a disturbance, and the second being geist, which is a ghost or a spirit. So if you translate that, poltergeist means noisy ghost. See, they're the type of spirit that's actually responsible for physical disturbances, loud noises, maybe like objects being moved or destroyed. In fact, most claims and descriptions of poltergeist show them with the capabilities of Pinching, poking, biting, hitting, tripping people, just all sorts of shenanigans. (laughs) They actually have the ability to move and levitate objects and have been known to like move furniture or maybe like cutlery, like flying knives sticking into your walls. (laughs) And they're also known to knock on doors and make loud noises by knocking things off of shelves. Described as a troublesome spirit, they're known to actually haunt a particular person and not a specific location. And in fact, some forms or variations of poltergeist folklore has been found in most cultures. Early claims of spirits that actually supposedly harassed and tormented their victims date back all the way to the first century, but it started becoming a little bit more mainstream and talked about into the 17th century so if you got a poltergeist you might end up with some broken stuff but you don't have to worry about your kid getting sucked into a tv or anything like that so (laughs) at least you got that going for you (laughs) are
0: you into ghosts are you planning on taking a trip to south carolina may i suggest a night or two stay in charleston this chapter's haunted hotel we stay at The Battery Carriage House The Battery Carriage House in Charleston, South Carolina. To stay at the Battery Carriage House it's going to run you about $219 to $489 a night. The inn itself was built in 1843 and there are reports of numerous spirits within the inn with three rooms having the most encounters. Room number three, it's said that many spirits have been seen lurking within this room, orbs have been reported moving around the room, and on one occasion a couple stayed in this room and the man took out his battery off his cell phone, yet all night long the phone just kept making loud noises of all kinds. Room number eight. It's said that when people are fast asleep, they will be awoken in the middle of the night to strange noises and growling. And if you hear the growling, it's usually followed up by a floating headless torso moving about the room. Room number 10. Room 10 is inhabited by a spirit known as the Gentleman Ghost. He's said to be a grayish shadow and tends to glide smoothly around the room. He's also said to lie down on the bed right next to whomever's already laying there. People also report a room 10 of getting the feeling that they're being watched constantly from within the room. The gentleman ghost is believed to be that of a college student who stayed there when it used to be dorms um, and was depressed and he committed suicide in that very room, the room that became room number 10 today. So if you're going to be staying in Charleston, South Carolina, stop by the Battery Carriage House and say hi to the gentleman, Ghost. I'd like to thank all my guests tonight, Rick Knox and 10 Preston Vance. To my readers, Aaron Solo and Dean Alexander. To my storyteller, Lonnie Olson. And thanks to my good brother, John Scott, for stopping by to say hi. And most importantly, thank you. If you like the show, subscribe, like, follow, tell your friends. Until then, let the chaos run strong and stay creepy.